Good morning and Merry Christmas. That was pathetic. <laughs> going to go somewhere where they celebrate Christmas. Holy smokes. Uh, let me try one more time. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, you see, because Christmas, I, uh, it's busy. It's busy already. You probably figured that out. Uh, and you're looking at that calendar and you say, I wish, I wish I was that organized. I wish I only had that many things on my calendar. We're just busy. We're busy people. It's a, a busy time of year and everybody shares in that. Uh, I want to tell you, I am so thankful to be with you this morning. I feel like I'm among friends and family because, well, I am among friends mostly and family, who knows, maybe somewhere back uh, we were related. But I want to thank you for inviting me back, especially given the fact that you know me. And, uh, and I'm just thrilled to be here during Christmas because I'm one of those guys that annoys most people. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love being busy. I love going to the stores when they're packed. <clears throat> that doesn't happen much anymore. So I love that. I'm the guy with the perpetual smile on my face when I'm doing stuff about Christmas. Every year, my family, who has grown up um, since we started Crossroads Farm, in fact, this is a little bit of our life uh, this week, my oldest daughter graduates from, uh, from Indiana Wesleyan University, and she's graduating about a half a year early, so we're going about a half a year early, and we're going to celebrate a graduation. We're squeezing that in to the Christmas uh, season. And um, when we started Crossroads Farms, I have pictures of she and my second daughter just as little, little tiny kids. And man, things have changed. I haven't aged, but wow, they sure got old. Um, I, th- my, uh, my youngest daughter, who wasn't born when we started. In fact, um, I was here at North Point years and years and years ago, preaching pretty regularly, and my youngest daughter wasn't even born. She graduates from high school this year. So uh, my second daughter graduates next year from college, and she comes home on Thursday. So there are all the preparations. There are visitors coming in on Friday. Uh, you know what the calendar looks like. We uh, decided to squeeze a couple extra things in because, well, I was sleeping way too much. And so uh, in a push to finish the materials that, that Rick was talking about, we um, do these occasional things called boot camps. They're, they're author's boot camps. And our training material was done. I thought it was done about 15 years ago, and we just kept on refining it. And finally, my wife said, if you don't get this published, you will never stop perfecting it, and it'll never be perfect. So I said, okay. So uh, we started to publish the material. Uh, we're working with a publisher out of Atlanta, and we are completely done with two, and they are in print. Um, our series is called The Skills, uh, excuse me, The Arms of a Servant Leader, and this year we're going through skills. That's the last of the four. I'm just telling you that because we had a really interesting thing happen at the beginning of the summer. This is my quick two-minute update. We went to South Dakota. We went to South Dakota on an invitation from a pastor who said, we are planting 50 churches in five states in five years. We need to know if your training fits what we're doing. And so we went out and God moved. And by the time we were done with that first meeting, they said, we want it. We want it all. We want everything you've written about this and uh, we'll take it. And we said, 
That's great, but none of it's published. So our summer was spent fast-tracking four years of discipleship training manuals for leaders who are involved in ministry at any different kind of level. And uh, we will finish that task, yeah, December 31st. It might actually be December 31st when we finish the task, but uh, we're so excited and God's opened doors. He continues to open doors. As a matter of fact, we met a representative of an organization and his task is to network all rural zip codes across the United States. And he showed up at our door and he said, you guys are doing what we speculated would work, but nobody else is doing it. And his uh, statement was, I'm coming back in January. I'm bringing 10 pastors. So uh, I, I just want you to know God is moving in this ministry that you've been a part of since the very beginning, since my kids weren't even all there. Thank you. Thank you. Not for the kid part. You had nothing to do with that, but thank you. And this church has been so generous. Uh, we got a Christmas gift from you. Sorry, honey, I didn't tell you about it. I spent it already. But, um, it has been such a, such an encouragement. You've been an encouragement to us in our ministry, an encouragement to us in our life, and uh, I want to thank you for that. In the meantime, life is busy. And there are things about Christmas that I absolutely love. I, I, I really do, and I love the busyness of Christmas. I love the shopping. I love cards. I, I love writing stuff. I love surprises. I love traditions. I love all the movies. As a matter of fact, last week I watched Jingle All the Way and thought it wasn't that bad. That's a true Christmas freak right there. I thought even even Arnold deserves a little Christmas. Really, seriously, it was a horrible movie, but I watched it anyway because it's about Christmas. I'm uh, amazed at how many movies that you we, we watch that really aren't that good, but they're about Christmas, so it's good. Or how many foods we eat that we really don't like, but they're Christmassy. And so we eat them because it's about Christmas. Or how many musical artists we can't stand, but if they do a Christmas song... I'm going to listen to it, except for Santa Baby. That has to be the creepiest Christmas song ever written. I think, what kind of woman is this that is seducing an old fat man that just snuck down her chimney and he's married? (laughs) Mrs. Claus slaving away at the North Pole, making cookies, keeping track of the elves, and she's putting a hit on Santa. I just think it's the grossest song ever. And people tell me, oh, it's my favorite. That's my favorite song. I'm like, wow, you're warped. (laughs) The funny thing is that all of these things that happen before Christmas, during Christmas, around Christmas, we have some affinity to. We, We like it. Come on. Otherwise, we wouldn't fill our calendars this fall. We like our relatives, deep down, most of them. We we like the stuff. And I've I've discovered something in my own life. I'm, I'm a victim of my own scheduling. See, Christmas is better than busyness. Christmas has a message that sometimes gets lost in the busyness. In fact, even we as Christians lose the real message of Christmas... Because we continually focus on stuff. And we forget to focus on a Savior. And the deal about the Savior is this. That his, his role wasn't completed here. 
This was the hope of Christmas. This wasn't the completion of Christmas. That comes some 33 years later when this baby gives it all back and we experience Christmas forever. That's, that's why we should be happy. If you can't tip a little more, if you can't sing a little bit, if you can't jump up and down, then there is something desperately wrong with your Christianity because this is our holiday. This is what Christians should be invested in. This is the time that the whole world comes around us and says, what should we be doing? And we get to show them. We get to love. We get to, we get to share joy. And we should share peace. Now, I was thinking about it. I, I remember um, the story of, of Christmas as told by my Sunday school teachers on flannel graph. And, and then, because I'm that old. And then I, I remember that there were theologians in my life who ruined it all. There was the great, there were the great stories of Christmas that brought wonder and joy and happiness and mystery to it. And then somebody came along and told me that that's not the way that went. Don't you hate when people ruin the magic by telling you how the trick was done? I, I, I want to know how the magic works, maybe, but I really just want to see what happens. And there's a magic in the fact that God came to earth as a baby, and I can't figure it out. I can't figure out motive. I can't figure out how he pulled it off. And I can't figure out why he stuck with it. Really. How long would it take you to stay in diapers if you were the son of the living God? I'd give that the first poop. <laughs> I'd be, you know, I've seen them do it, but I've, I'm God, I don't, so I'm out. I mean, it's amazing to me that we take so much for granted about this event. In fact, born and laid in a manger... Wow. Rejected even then. I had this vision, uh, and it, it's before we start today. We'll start the sermon at the end of this, but I, I mean, but here's what happened. The angels show up, and they make the proclamation, and I always kind of had a Trans-Siberian, you know, orchestra movement going on. Like, I'm imagining the angels, and there's a light show, and there are a lot of them, and they're singing, and there's, there's guitarists, and I mean, that's what I'm imagining. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. But my, my professor, who was uh, Professor Killjoy, decided that he wanted to tell us the angels didn't sing. They didn't sing. And it doesn't say that in the Bible. And I said, well, there are a lot of things it doesn't say, but I'm going with it. I mean, these are angels. They're, they're proclaiming the Son of God. There's going to be some joy in it. They show up to these shepherds, and that's really where we start this story. So in verse 15, let's start in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I always tell you, read along. If you can't read along in your own Bible, then you can read on the screen behind me. It says this, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened that the Lord's made known to us. Verse 16, so they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. Aren't you glad that the angels waited until after Jesus was born? We have been in the delivery room when relatives show up before the baby is born and they want to stay for the event. And you think, this is an awkward moment. 
I need to tell you, you probably need to wait outside because there are 42 people in here and my, my wife only knows three of them. I'm amazed that they wait and then the, this, uh, these, these guys, these shepherds, they hurry to see this thing. So they came in a hurry, verse 16. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And when they'd seen this, they made the statement which had been told to them about this child. See, because Mary didn't know there was a heavenly proclamation going on. She just knew that she'd had the baby. She knew who the baby was. But what a confirmation to have a bunch of guys come in and say, man, we were out on the hill watching sheep. We're not that busy. We're shepherds. I don't know how many of you uh, actually know much about sheep. How many of you have sheep or no sheep? All right, we gave sheep one try at the farm. Uh, here's how it happened. We had pasture and we had a friend who had sheep and he said, I'm running out of pasture. Can we use your pasture? And we, sh- we said, sure. And so what, what he did is he backed up to the, uh, to the gate. We opened the gate. He led his sheep into our pasture and then he closed the gate. And he said, we'll just watch this for a couple seconds. And I don't know what happened. Like nothing really, because there was nothing in the pasture. And all of a sudden the sheep, as if one, said, let us go and see this thing that has happened in another pasture. And they ran through the electric fence and they were running amok around her. I'm thinking, sheep are stupid. I'm never going to have one. Just no, no wool sweater is worth this torment. It took us about six years to gather them all again. (laughs) Shepherds are watching sheep. If you've ever watched sheep, nobody goes to the zoo and says, we got to see the sheep. (laughs) They're standing there. Some of them eat. A couple times they lay down, might get back up. I, I don't get it. Nobody goes to see the sheep. They're at the zoo because they're animals. But nobody goes to see them. There's really nothing going on in the shepherds' lives. They're, they're watching sheep. They're really kind of hopeful. Come on, a wolf. Come on, anything. <laughs> Something. I'll, t- I'll take any kind of varmint that looks aggressive. And they, they're on the hill. And the angels come and they make the proclamation to these shepherds. And the shepherds say, we have nothing better to do. Let's go and see this thing that's happened. They're excited. They hurried. They didn't even come up with babysitters for the sheep. That's because these are sheep. There's grass. What's going to happen? And so they leave. They come to Mary and they say, Mary, Mary, you won't believe this. We're assuming, Mary, you're, you're here. You have a baby. We're just going with it. And I wondered if there were any other babies born that night in a different place. I, I wonder if the shepherds ever wondered if they'd invested in the wrong baby. Here's why I'm saying that. We never hear about the shepherds again. We know everything about this story. 
We have made up names for the wise men. We don't know if it's real or not, but, you know, they came up with these names that made the wise men sound really, really bright. And we've got made up names. We, we have stories about a drummer boy that I don't necessarily think was there, but hey, it's magic. Keep, keep with it. I, I mean, there are stories about the animals talking, which would have been just creepy and disturbing. But besides that, we, we make up stories to go with the stories. And my question is, what happened to the shepherds. But in that question, I started to wonder if maybe somewhere down the line, maybe 20 years down the line, about the time that this this child king should be ascending to the throne, about the time you should be hearing about this king, they heard nothing. And I wonder if the real question for the shepherds was whatever happened to that boy king? They must have wondered if they'd mistaken the wrong baby in the wrong town. I ask that because it says this, that they told Mary all the things that they'd encountered. And then it says this, Mary treasured these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and seen, just as had been told them. See, I think that this is the crux of Christmas. I think we love the message, but it doesn't necessarily change life trajectory. And we get involved in looking for that big story. We get involved in looking for the big miraculous work. We get involved in hoping that that the super thing is going to happen. And when it doesn't seem to happen fast enough, I really believe we begin to fill our lives with things that are experiences. Experiences around Christmas. My family has traditions for every day, pretty much. We have more movies than we can watch. And, and one kid will say, we have to watch this movie. And another kid will say, we have to watch this movie. And the, the only uh, real diehard thing is that we watch Miracle on 34th Street, the night of Thanksgiving, and then the, uh, the Christmas Eve movie is White Christmas. Those are the diehards. We will never alter those. But there are all these other movies. We, we have to see Elf because it's really funny. And we have to see, and we, we watch movies. Um, for as many years as my children have been around and before that, my wife and I have been buying Christmas books. One a year and we read it to the family. But now if we were to start reading the books sometime in October, we wouldn't get them all done by December. We wouldn't get them done by Christmas experiences. We've got to go Christmas caroling. We've got to have lots of parties. We've got to give gifts. We've got to do significant things. And I believe that although those things are meaningful and important to us, sometimes we are placing them in our lives to fill a void that actually is only filled by Christ. That sometimes I'm looking for significance and importance in the things that I do. And the truth is, the entire significance was in the cradle. There was no other part of the story that mattered. The angels didn't have to sing. The angels didn't have to say anything. The shepherds didn't have to be there. The wise men didn't have to come a couple years later. The animals don't have to talk. The drummer boy doesn't have to drum. Nothing has to happen except for the Son of God to be born to us. For to us... 
Wow. And we get busy. Busy manufacturing meaning. Busy manufacturing significance. And the truth is, I discovered this, that I don't really hate busyness. What I hate is meaninglessness. What I hate is to be inconvenienced. What, what I really dislike is to, be, to have imposition in my life. To have to do stuff that I don't really want to do. It's selfish. I'm in pursuit of experience, fulfillment. And it's all in pursuit of everything except for the only thing. And I'm not being down on Christmas and activities. I love it. But I love him more. My question is, can I take rest in, the, in this cradle, in this stable, in, in this manger? Can I really take rest in an event that surrounds a baby with hope? And my answer is, I don't know, but I know that this is the hope of Christianity. This is the hope of mankind. And I find peace in resting in the hope of Jesus Christ. I, I'm starting to discover a couple things. I discover this, that we as Christians are becoming more feisty. We're more entitled. We're more right than we've ever been. And there are a lot of people who are really wrong. And we are out to prove wrongness. I'm discovering this, that we are willing to get in our arguments. And I wonder if we've forgotten what the real hope is. That the hope is this babe, this miracle story, this unlikely scenario, this impossibility. If we realize that God sent a baby and that's all we need. We don't have to get it right. We don't have to be right. We just have to rest in him. It doesn't sound like a Christmas message. In uh, Psalm 46 verses 9 through 11, it says this. He makes wars cease. To the ends of the earth, it says, He breaks the bow, uh, the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I'm reminded where I'm told in Scripture that God will keep us in perfect peace if we keep our minds stayed on him. See, the trick is not effective scheduling. And the trick is not in filling my life with a million experiences that I think somehow will show me the cradle. I come to the king of the cradle. I come to the Lord who rested in the cradle and I rest in him. And I'm not talking about a 10-minute meditation. I'm not talking about finding five minutes where I turn the radio off and I become still. I'm talking about a spirit that remains still. I'm talking about a soul that finds its peace in the fact that the king was born and he lived and he died and he lives and reigns on a throne. And my peace is there. Peace. Peace. 
I, uh, <clears throat> I think about how many fights happen because of Christmas. I don't know about your family, but um, we uh, put up Christmas decorations, and every year it's kind of a um, it's it's an event for us to decorate. Like I said, both my wife and I really like Christmas a lot. We had somebody who visited our house, and they said this is better than going to the the Hallmark store, and they're not wrong. I mean, we have a fireplace; they don't. The uh, the beauty of our home is that we decorate, and there, every nook and cranny, there is something that's Christmassy, which is a little weird. Sometimes you find things, and you're like, "Oh, that's where that went <laughs> in June." And uh, we love decorating 22 bins of Christmas decorations for the inside of the house. 22 of those big plastic storable bins. We had to build shelving in the basement to store them all. Does anybody do that? Does anybody have like that kind of obsession? Way to go. I want to come to your house. That way we don't have to decorate. What happens is my kids have this romantic attraction to the decorations. They remember it because we've been doing it forever. And they're like, oh, we've got to decorate. We've got to decorate. Day after Thanksgiving, we've got to decorate. And so we start decorating. And the the enthusiasm starts waning about the time you get the second bin up the stairs. You open the second bin and you're like, well, I don't even know where to start. I mean, how do, you, how do you even start with this? And then we go and we get our tree. This year we had one of those tree discussions, family tree discussions, where we all have different opinions about the tree. And I'm like, it's a tree. Let's cut it. Let's go. Um, but then I didn't do that this year. This year, my daughter, Lauren, found one. And she said, it's beautiful. And I said, let's look around some. He can't, it can't be the first tree. There's just a rule. It can't be. If this is the first one right up front, everybody else has passed it for a reason. Let's go find a good one. Ultimately, we got her tree. Here's the, here's the thing. We're looking for trees and we're finding trees and, and she said, look at it. It's beautiful. It's full. And I said, I just want to remind you of one little thing. Where we put the tree is seven feet, six inches to the ceiling. There is a, there's a, a holder that you put the tree in that will eliminate five inches. That's seven feet, two inches, just doing quick math. Seven feet, two inches minus the tree topper because you have to have one. Our tree topper is six feet tall. No, our, tr- our tree topper, and there's an angel about this big. That's going to take away another six inches if you really jam her onto the tree hard. Sometimes, yeah, pull kids, we can get it in. And when you stand the tree up, there is no space. I always like walk by the tree and I feel sorry for the angel. I feel like she's just perpetually hunched. (laughs) And in the middle of all of that preparation to decorate for something we really truly love, we can't get along very well. We have different opinions about where stuff should go and when it should go and what else is important. Everything does that. Everything takes away. On Christmas, we need to consistently come back to the fact that this is about Christ, but he didn't need an event. He is the event. He didn't need lights. He is light. He doesn't just bring peace. He is peace. 
there's warmth that exists not because of the hearth, but because of his heart. And the only tree that mattered ultimately was a cross. Peace. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not the peace that this world gives. I will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. I find that when everyone goes to bed, usually at Christmas Eve, and it's 3 o'clock and I'm wrapping presents, there is that moment when the home is just completely still. And I find myself in God's presence. I love the fact that we're distracted by this stuff. Um, Last night we had a family over. And uh, I know that the war comes to an end in the presence of Christ. I know that. But last night we, were, uh, we, we had a family over. It was fun. We had, had dinner together. We have somebody over to the house almost absolutely every night. And so there's always somebody there. It, it really reduces the amount of free fighting you can do. You know, he, you always got to carry it back into another room. But I, I, I love having people over. And I pull out the same thing every night. I think it's the most awesome invention ever. They're 3D glasses, uh, but they're not really 3D glasses. And what they do is they take every little light every source of light and it turns it into a snowman so if you put those and if you bob your head all the snowmen dance is fantastic <laughs> it costs about 79 cents we're down to the last one i don't know what happened to them all but i love this little this gimmick and i handed it to my father-in-law and uh, my father-in-law was trying to look and at first he didn't get it he was looking at at the lights and he saw that there was more refraction and uh, that was kind of exciting. But he didn't get that there were snowmen around every single light. This would literally be the most fun thing you'd ever seen in your life. And so he's, and finally he caught it. He's like, oh, and then he started laughing and I realized, okay, he just, he just saw the snowmen, just saw them for the first time. We're distracted by a million different things. How about you? How about you? See, one of the things that I've discovered is that Jesus Christ never, never was distracted from the central purpose of his life, which was his death. In all of the gift giving, in all of the receiving, in all of the love that we share among family, are are we really constantly aware that this is about a death? Sometimes I'm overwhelmed when I think about the babe who lays there and he gains a few minutes of accolade. But the only chant that he was really going to hear was the chant where they yelled, crucify him. It's tragic to think that the gift of God was a gift that would require a sacrifice of a baby. A baby. Christmas is for kids. I was, uh, I was trying to think how to connect the two worlds because I have a hard time with it. There's so much joy and so much happiness and so much magic. And then it seems like at the end of his life, there's so much tragedy and there's so much darkness and there's so much difficulty. But if I don't understand that, then this is meaningless. 
and this, the experiences that I piece together around an event or a holiday are meaningless. And, and it doesn't change anything. I have experience, but I don't have change. I can become like the shepherds who saw the show of the angels, went to see Jesus lying in a manger, told Mary everything, and 20 years later, as the shepherds most likely started to die away, never saw what they'd heard about that night. Peace. Patience, trust, hope. These aren't just words on Christmas cards. They are the life that is supposed to be reflected in our lives. We are supposed to be the Christmas card. We are supposed to bring the light. We are supposed to be the peace. I wonder if that's ever dawned on you because it hadn't dawned on me until I started preparing this that anytime there's turmoil, I am to be God's peace there. Me. I, I know there are some family things that happen and you're like, wow, I don't even want to go. I mean, this person hasn't been talking to this person forever. There's going to be all kinds of tension. And it's not enough that we have 85 Christmases and I'm supposed to bring the yams to one of them and the turkey to it. It's not saving me any time. And, and we get tense because we get distracted from the fact that Christ lives in us. The babe that was born who died 33 years later came back from the dead and now lives in us and we are the manger in every Christmas setting. We're the hope. We're the peace. Two years ago, I said something uh, to my wife. We were talking. And I really believe it was one of those rare God moments. It was this. I will not strive. I, I, I'd been in prayer, and I came back to my wife, and I hope she remembers it. Now, I, I still do strive, but I made a resolve not to, and I said, I, I'm not going to strive. I want to. Everything in my person tells me to strive, but I'm not going to. See, what I really don't need is busy. What I really need is meaningful. There's a verse, Colossians 3.11. It says this, in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. I, I paraphrased it this way for Christmas. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you buy or make your presents. Donate the cost of your presence or go crazy spoiling your loved ones. It doesn't matter if you read stories about Santa Claus or early church fathers. It doesn't matter if you have two family Christmases or seven. What matters is that you realize that Jesus Christ is alive in you. You don't go to experience the Christmas event somewhere, but you are Christ at that event. He is in the center of the storm called Christmas. He's the peace that passes understanding. What happens on December 25th is not as significant as what happens every day after that. 
And whether you're busy or not, God's peace makes this mean nothing and this mean everything. The rest is just scheduling. Can we pray? Lord God, this morning we come into your presence. We thank you for your being here already. Lord, we get busy. We get distracted. We get derailed by stuff. But you're the center, the reason for everything we do. Lord, you're more concerned with how we live during this time than what we do during this time. You're more concerned about us becoming peace, about us being hope, about us being joy, than sharing it. Father, I pray for my friends that in the busyness of this season, they'll find your peace radiating out of them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.